As we read together a portion of the Word of God, I'm going to, uh, after we read this portion and, and pray together, I'm going to come back and just kind of review some things so that you know where we are in, in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19, I want to pick up here at verse number 7, Revelation 19 and verse number 7. And it reads, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. And you'll notice here the statement, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. Now, we're not preaching on the marriage supper of the Lamb here this morning. But I want you to look at this next statement. And his wife hath made herself ready. So what we're going to do with this morning is the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, read on. And to her, speaking of this bride, uh, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship uh, him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, but the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now that little statement that we're going to, to pull out is, his wife hath made herself ready. And I believe that the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ is such an important future event. And it's something that uh, I don't hear much preaching about. It's something that I don't think a lot of Christians fully grasp and understand here this morning. And of course we know, and we'll deal with that, we're saved by grace. And it's all of grace. None of us can boast that we have earned our gift of salvation. However, we must comprehend there is a day of accountability. And every one of us are going to stand before Jesus one day and give an account of our lives. That's what we're going to deal with this morning and such a crucial and important topic. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you this morning. You've been so good to us, and it's good to be in church this morning. And we're reminded uh, here just of the importance of a relationship with you to be able to know that we know that we know that we're saved. And thank you that our salvation is a gift, it's free, that we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, uh, but Lord, you paid for the, the price in full upon the cross of Calvary. You shed your blood uh, that we could be forgiven and your righteousness could be imputed to our account. Uh, Lord, would you help us this morning, though, as we try to give this challenge about the accountability that we have as your child after we're saved. And Lord, help us this morning to relay the truths of your word. We pray these things in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. And as you're seated, I want to take just a, a bit of time to uh, kind of review some thoughts here out of the book of Revelation, just to bring us to this place where we are in Revelation chapter 19. If you were to go back all the way to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, we have seven letters to seven churches. And we know as we preach through that section of Scripture, these were seven literal churches of John's day. And in these letters, the churches are commended for their good deeds, for the good things they've done. They are also confronted with their sin, called into question for them and then called to repentance by the Lord Jesus Christ as needed. 
becomes very clear and very evident that these churches and the church, the local church, is crucial and important to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we also saw that these seven churches speak to churches of all ages. And they show us that Jesus is in the midst of his churches, that he loves the church, that he gave himself for the church, that he walks in the midst of his churches. And the churches, just like Valley Bible Baptist Church, are important to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we find, as we look through these seven churches, these seven letters are prophetic in nature as well. Uh, they lead us to a description of Christianity through the church age. Uh, and uh, they, they show us the direction of Christianity as a whole. Until we come to, I believe, the day in which we live, what we might call the Laodicean church age. A church age in which uh, Christianity is neither hot nor cold. A, a time when Christ would be on the outside, uh, when he would be knocking, when he would be seeking. In a time when uh, they denied the power of the Lord and that power of a new birth in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we come to Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation, I believe we have a picture of the rapture. John heard a trumpet, and that trumpet said to him, Come up hither, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Uh, that, uh, I believe, revelation or that rapture is described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 18. Uh, we'll find in the book of Revelation uh, from chapter 4, there's no more mention of the church here upon earth. And we find that the saints are then in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Miss Betty, I, I'm thinking about uh, with Abel, home with the Lord Jesus Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we look forward to this time where the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the air. We're going to have a wonderful Thanksgiving day at that time, a wonderful reunion with family in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that rapture described in Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapters 4 and 5, we find the saints in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ around the throne. In chapter 4, the saints worship the Lord, he's worthy, uh, because all things are made by him. Thou art worthy, O Lord, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. In chapter 5, we praise the Lamb, he's worthy through redemption. He's redeemed us by his blood out of every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Now beginning in Revelation chapter 6, all the way through Revelation chapter 18, we have the tribulation here upon this earth. And we've spent a lot of time going through the tribulation. Very severe judgments uh, such as the world has never seen. Natural disasters, war, uh, famine, disease, death, destruction. Uh, seven years of horrible times that will be upon this earth. Uh, half of the world's population will be destroyed during those seven years of tribulation. Use the tribulation to draw Israel to repentance. It will be the final week that is mentioned in Daniel chapter 9. And then as we have tried to emphasize, the tribulation will be used to deliver the title deed of the earth from Satan. Man forfeited this to Satan with his sin. And during the tribulation, that title deed will be uh, reversed and given back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the earth will be prepared for the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus. Now that brings us to chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 19, we have the return of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, this earth, 
uh, with his saints. Look in Revelation 19, verse number 11. The reason I saw heaven open, the white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. He's describing this return from heaven as Jesus returns with his saints. And uh, this world will be on the verge of total destruction when Jesus returns. It will be in the midst of the battle of Armageddon, the final war uh, of this world in this age. And when Jesus returns with his heaven or with his saints, uh, he will defeat his enemies. Uh, he will cast the Antichrist, the false prophet, into hell. Uh, he will bind Satan for a thousand years. And Jesus will then rule with his saints for a thousand years, this millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that kind of brings us to where we are this morning. See, before Jesus rules with his saints, they must be prepared. And so we read in Revelation 19 and verse number 7, Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and the statement, his bride, hath made herself ready. I believe that during the seven-year tribulation, as this earth is being judged and being prepared and delivered, I believe that in heaven, the saints are going to be prepared to rule. And this brings us to this time that the Bible refers to as the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Bible teaches very clearly there's a day of reckoning for the saints, for the saints. Now please don't misunderstand me this morning. Salvation is by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not one person will go to heaven because they deserved it or because they earned it. It's a it was bought by the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid for it upon the cross of Calvary. He lived the only perfect life that has ever been lived. And at the end of that life, he gave his life. He shed his blood and he cried from the cross, it is finished. The price for my salvation was paid by Christ and it was paid in full. There will not be one person in heaven that is there because they earned it or they deserved it. It was bought by Jesus Christ. And then can I say, not only are we saved by His grace, we are kept by His grace. Amen. Paul the Apostle said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He will to keep that which I have committed unto Him that day. Paul said, I can't I'm sealed by the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. When I received that gift of salvation, the Lord came to my heart. He holds me. And that's very important for hint as I get into this message this morning. Because we're not teaching salvation by works. We believe salvation is by grace. And it's all of grace. But this is something that is not taught. And it's something that's so crucial, so essential. Although salvation is by grace, God will hold you accountable for how you live out that salvation. God will hold accountable for your Christian life after coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. The Bible said we're saved by grace, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, we read, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. 
Salvation is the root and the works become the fruit of that root. We are created in Christ Jesus under good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Judgments of the Lord Jesus Christ is this accountability for the Lord. And it's that time that we are prepared for that and for the return to this earth. See, grace, understand something, is no excuse for sin. Did you get that? Grace is no excuse for sloppy, selfish, slothful Christian living. And sad to say, that's where many Christians are today. I grace, and now I can live my life however I want to live. And first of all, I would uh, if you're truly saved, you have a desire to please the Lord Jesus. But I hear many, I'm saved. And there was a time where I, I uh, called and I prayed and I've been saved. And whatever I want, I can live however I want. No, friends, that's not what the Bible teaches. God will hold you accountable for your life after coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. We're going to look at this judgment seat of the Lord Christ. Now, first of all, let's look at the when. The when of the judgment seat. We talked about the tribulation. During the tribulation, God will bring judgment upon this earth. And a world that rejected the Lord Jesus Christ is going to pay the price. That's this earth during the tribulation. But I believe as we study the Bible, while the tribulation takes place on earth, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ takes place in heaven. And it's through that judgment seat that His wife hath made herself ready. Now, this is free this morning. Just going to throw this in. And I believe as we look at the context of Scripture, we have here proof of a pre-tribulation rapture. There are some people that are teaching with all the COVID and the events that are taking place today that we're in the midst of the tribulation. Uh, no, we're not even close to the midst of the tribulation. And what our world is facing now is nothing compared to what it's going to face during the tribulation. Uh, there are many today to teach what might be called tribulation rapture. They're teaching that the rapture doesn't happen until Jesus Christ returns at the end of the tribulation, but that's not possible. As you look at the context of Scripture, 19 verse number 7 talks about the marriage of the Lamb and the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ happens before this event of Christ as He returns at the end of the tribulation. It's very clear from Revelation chapter 4 that the saints are in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not till Revelation 19 that Jesus returns with His saints at the end of the tribulation. So the when of the seat of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe as tribulation takes place upon the earth, the judgment seat of Jesus is taking place in heaven. Now what is this judgment seat? The what of the judgment seat? A lot of scripture we're going to examine. Take your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. We're going to examine a lot of scriptures this morning. You can write these down, follow us through and study this on your own. Revelation chapter, or excuse me, Romans chapter 14. I want to pick up here at verse number 10. Romans 14, verse number 10. And here Paul is warning, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? Notice the statement, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
Here he's speaking to his saints, to those that have been born again, to those that are truly children of the Lord. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every born-again child of God will appear before this judgment seat. And at that time, we will bow before Him. We'll acknowledge His throne. We'll acknowledge His right to judge. We will acknowledge our accountability to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's go forward to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. And Paul was always mindful in his earthly life of this coming judgment seat, this appearance before the Lord Jesus. Uh, let's read beginning at verse number 6. And in this chapter, Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present from, with the Lord. To be present in this body is to be absent from the Lord. In verse number 6, 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, notice this statement, we may be accepted of Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust are also, also are made manifest in your consciences. Now, understand in verse number, number 10 uh, that we will be judged according to the uh, done, whether good or bad. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about those that are saved. And Paul was mindful of this appearance, and he lived his life that he would one day stand before Jesus Christ to give an account. That judgment seat of Christ motivated Paul to do his best for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, one day I'm going to leave this earthly body. We witnessed that last Sunday as Brother Abel left the earthly body, took his last breath here upon this earth, his first breath in heaven. That's what Paul's saying. One day I'm going to leave this earthly body. And at that point, I will enter into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, one day, I'm going to be judged for how I have lived my life since being saved. Those who are saved, that salvation is secure. That can never be taken away. That was God's gift. It was by grace. It was saved by grace. You're kept by grace. But we're talking about a judgment of how we lived after we received for the, that grace. God will hold us accountable for our lives. Again, look at verse 10. He said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to the done, whether it be good or bad. Uh, this caused Paul to want to do his very best for Jesus. He says, because of this, in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. He said, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest to your consciousness, or in your consciences. In verse 15, he says, and, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live to themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Uh, again, Paul's talking about living for Jesus now that he saved you. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, we're going to examine a lot of scripture this morning. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 11. It reads, For other foundation had no man laid than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. He says, For the day shall declare it. He said, Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now he's talking again to those who have built upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's gift of salvation. He said after that salvation, we build upon that foundation. He mentions gold and silver and precious stones. He's talking about a life that is lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also mentions wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, that's a wasted life, and the wood, hay, and stubble will be burned at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus. He says in verse number 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. I believe this testing will be the place of the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And it will be based upon what we have done or failed to do with our salvation. It's going to be tested. It's going to be tried. Our works will be tried. Our motives will be tried. Our stewardship will be tried. You will be held accountable for what you do with your time, what you do with your talents, what you do with your treasures as you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 14, he talks about a reward. He says, if any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. This is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But notice in verse number 15, a loss of reward. He said, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. He's still saved, but he will be ashamed at that judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that's illustrated for us in the Bible by Lot. I believe Lot is a man and yet Lot served his flesh and he pursued money instead of the will of God for his life and coming to the end of his life Lot lost everything and that's what it will be for many at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Now to sum it up the what it's a day of accountability for his servants. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 as we talk about this day of accountability. In Matthew chapter 25, in the midst of the chapter, in verse number 14. Matthew 25, verse number 14. It reads, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants, he's talking here to the saved, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. It's very clear in the Word of God we're gifted differently. All of us have a different race to run. God's will for you is not the same as God's will for me. Uh, God doesn't expect the same from each one of us. He's delivered unto each of us his goods, and the Bible says he took a far journey. He's in heaven right now. And then we read in verse number 16, Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. 
But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. See, we find that each one took the talents that God had given to them, and each one did with those talents such as he chose. But notice verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. Friends, this is the principle. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? He comes and reckoneth with them. This is the day of accountability, the day of reckoning, the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. He reckons with them. And each one will be held accountable. Notice in verse 20, So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And this ruling will take place during the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice in verse number 22, He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art in a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid, went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I not strawed. Thou honest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and that at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. And we have one that withheld and failed and ashamed at the entering in of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one will be rewarded or suffer loss based upon what they've done for Jesus with what God has given to them. Now skip to verse number 28. Uh, Take therefore the talent from him. He says, And give unto him which had ten talents, for unto every one that has shall be given, to, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping, gnashing of teeth. Now I don't believe this is a loss of salvation, but I believe during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, this is one that will be uh, set aside in a sense and not entering into the full joy and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an accountability, and Brother Wilkins has an excellent material that he wrote uh, concerning the other side of the river that's well worth your time as you study this passage of Scripture. The judgment seat of Jesus Christ, it's a day of accountability. It's a day of accountability for the saved. It's a time when the saved will stand before Christ to give an account. And it's a time that we will either be rewarded or suffer loss of reward before that judgment seat. That's the when and the what. But I want to quickly just deal with the why. And this is where it comes down to you and I and what this ought to do for us. See, the thought of the judgment seat really prepares us to meet Jesus. I want you to go to Luke chapter 12. And let's read a very similar passage of Scripture. But really deal with what this coming judgment seat ought to do for you and I. In Luke chapter 12, verse number 22, as we look at the context, He said to His disciples, 
Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. He said, the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. You to go to verse number 29 in this context, and he says, And seek not what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things that the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But here's where he sums this thought up. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, what the Bible teaches is that our job here upon this earth is to serve the Lord. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your life is to be dedicated to serving Him, to obeying Him, to seeking to bring others to know Him as Lord and Savior. And He promises if you would put Him first, that He would take care of you. He would meet all of your needs. Uh, in that context, go to verse number 34. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then we read, beginning at verse 35, Let your loins be girded about, your lights burning, and ye yourselves likened to men that wait for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. He said, Blessed are those servants in the Lord. When he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. He goes on to express here that Jesus is coming. And as he comes, we're to wait, we're to watch, we're to be ready. And if he shall come at the second watch uh, to them, or, or come at the third watch and find uh, so blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known in what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. We don't know when Jesus is coming, friends, but we know he's coming back. And when he comes, he's going to hold us accountable for the life that we have lived. I want you to read on in verse number 41. It says, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant in his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and bait servants to eat, to drink, to be drunk, and the Lord of that servant will come at a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, will cut him asunder and will appoint him his portion with unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes. He's talking about this accountability. Now go with me to 1 John chapter 3. And here's how this thought ought to apply to us. In 1 John chapter 3, the first epistle here of John, notice what the Lord says to us concerning this. 1 John chapter 3, it reads, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Isn't it a privilege to be saved? Uh, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It did not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, 
we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But notice the statement in verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now we understand this morning salvation is by grace, but grace is no excuse for sin, for sloppiness, for laziness. Many Christians are going to be ashamed when Jesus returns and they stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to be embarrassed. They will suffer loss. Now think about this this morning. Christ gave everything for us. Have I lived for Him? Or have I lived for myself? Have I been a good steward of what Jesus has given unto me? Have I taken the time that He blessed me with and used it for His cause? Have I taken the gifts and the talents that the Lord has given unto me and used them to serve Him? Have I been faithful with the testimony of my life and of Christianity? Uh, Will others come to know Christ because of my life? There's only one life to live, and that life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Jesus will last. What we must realize is this circle around the church is like eternity. It's unending. And this life that you're now living is like one little speck on eternity. And that little speck on eternity is what God will hold you accountable for as you stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that thought of the judgment seat of Jesus ought to cause us to prepare to meet Jesus. Now go back with me to Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 7. See, the thought of the judgment seat prepares us to meet Jesus. In Revelation chapter 19, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. See, in Christ our sin is forgiven. We're made righteous positionally with the Lord Jesus Christ through his shed blood. But in practice, we fall far short. I think every one of us, if Jesus came back today, would have to say, Lord, there are some things that I'm ashamed of. There are some things that are not right. This is a constant work in process. Aren't you grateful that the Lord is working upon you? In Revelation 19 and verse number 8, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. Now, what you need to realize is that these works that he is going to call us into account of, he said, for the linen of the saints. And in this context, he's talking about our works after salvation. Do you realize right now, uh, you are preparing your garments for heaven? Did you know that? You're building, you're, so to speak, you're making your own wedding dress. And the way you're living uh, here in this life, salvation is all of grace. Uh, When you get saved, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to your account. But you are now building for eternity. You're building for reward or for loss of reward. And when Jesus comes again, many Christians are not going to be ready. I do believe at the judgment seat of Christ, this preparation to rule with Him is going to be made final. And when we return with Jesus in Revelation 19 verse number 11... Uh, We will have been made ready during those seven years of tribulation. uh, While we stand before the Lord in heaven, uh, that uh, dross, all of that is going to be taken away. Now let me state this again. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? 
I want to close with one passage of Scripture. Go back with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 5. In Ephesians chapter number 5, some interesting statements. We might refer to this as how do we prepare for the coming of Christ? In Revelation, or excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, here we talk about the Lord. He shed his blood, and the local church is so important Jesus. He gave himself for the church and through his shed blood. But notice in verse number 26, this is our purging in this life. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. How do we prepare for eternity? The washing of the water by the word. This is powerful. This is God's book. And our preparation for heaven is in obedience to this book. Uh, it is the washing through the word of God. The Word of God teaches you what God expects of you. The Word of God uh, convicts us. Aren't you grateful that as you read the Word of God, God speaks to your heart about sin? What He's doing is He's preparing you uh, for eternity. Uh, God's Word then cleanses us and God's Word changes us. And I'm thankful for this. God chastens me and disciplines me when my life is not in accordance to the Word of God. And God is, what is He doing? He's preparing us and washing us and preparing us for eternity. See, if you're a child of God, you cannot live out of the will of God and be happy about it. If you're a child of God, you cannot live out of the will of God and not face the chastening and the discipline of God because the Lord wants to wash you and sanctify you and prepare you for this judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice something in verse 27. He says that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. But notice this statement, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Remember back in Revelation 19, verse 7, his wife hath made herself ready. See, when Jesus comes back, we'll stand before him at that judgment seat. He's preparing us for the marriage supper of the Lamb that we might return and rule with Him. Years ago, I read the story of a man named Rachunga Padaiti. He was from a tribe in India. A missionary went to that tribe and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Rachunga's father and many uh, of the leaders of that tribe came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That tribe had no Bible. And so Rachunga's father began to prepare Rachunga, who was a small boy when the gospel came to his tribe, began to prepare him that he would one day go off to college, that he would learn Greek and Hebrew, that he would learn to translate the Bible into the language of his people. And so Rachunga grew and was growing in the Lord, and the day came when he would walk across that jungle to the college and to the place where he would be trained. It was not long after he arrived in that place of his training that Rachunga forgot about the mission that was given by his tribe and by his father. He began to earn money. He began to sell wares along the side of the road. 
He completely forgot about that purpose that God had given to him, that purpose for which he had surrendered. And one day his father decided to make that journey across the jungle just to check on his son, Rachunga. And he found Rachunga on the side of the road selling his wares, completely oblivious to that calling. And Rachunga, looking up, saw his father. It broke his heart because he realized the whole mission, the whole purpose for which I have been set aside, I forgot. And I have been here in this business of making money when my tribe needs a Bible. And Rachunga repented and got right. And then eventually learned the Greek and the Hebrew and translated the Bible into the language of his people that many others might know the Jesus that he had come to know. But you know, that story of Rachunga is a very fitting story because many who have truly been born again, bought by the blood of Jesus, saved by God's grace, kept by God's grace, many have lost sight of eternity. And they're living their lives for the here and the now, for this moment, for pleasures, for things that they can earn and gain, for things that are nothing but wood, hand stubble, that are going to be burned at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, wasted away, and facing the Lord with shame, with embarrassment. Well, here this morning, Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? Like Rachunga was called to attention by his father and repented and got things right, you have an opportunity today. The Lord is here this morning. And maybe you, like Rachunga, would see, I've not been living for God's purpose and God's calling upon my life. And here today, anew, you could come and surrender to Jesus and say, Lord, I want your will. I want to be prepared when you come. We're not talking about how to be saved this morning. If you're here and you've never been saved, that's where you need to start. You need to come and bow the knee to Jesus Christ, receive the free gift. What we're talking about is your life after you've received that gift. God's going to hold you accountable. With every head bowed and every eye closed this 